Welcome home. It's so glad to be here on this day, August 2nd, uh, 2020. And uh, I don't know if you saw as you came in, in different spots of this facility and this place, you probably have noticed like even on the walls, a certain spot, it is uh, not finished. The painting is still going on. Uh, you probably didn't even know we were painting, and uh, but we wanted you to see it. In fact, there's this wall right in the air in the lobby uh, on the on the west wall, right when you come, kind of come out of these doors, it is uh, under construction right now. And there's a great opportunity. We were going through the book of Nehemiah. In fact, if you, if you need your Bibles, want to pull up your, your devices, uh, or you've got the actual uh, physical copy of a Bible with paper, uh, you are welcome to go there. Nehemiah, I want you to go there. We've been going through the, the, this amazing, what I like to say is a diary, so to speak, of of the life of Nehemiah and the people of, of Jerusalem. And, and uh, as we go in there, we have this lobby being worked on right now and in different spots painting. And that means we would love for you to take part in it. Maybe you are a painter. Maybe you, are, you just want to be a part of the construction. They were in Nehemiah's day, they were re rebuilding the whole wall a whole, whole area around their, or the whole city of Jerusalem. And we're kind of doing some remodel, re rebuilding here internally, uh, physically, spiritually. We're doing a, a lot. We'd love for you to write your name, maybe even a cool Bible verse. Put the scripture, God's word, in, in literally inside the walls of this church. And we'd love for you to write today with a marker. That's right. You can vandalize today here at church. We'd love for you to write your name or a Bible verse and be a part of, uh, of what God's doing, not just a part of a, uh, we don't, everybody loves to point out problems, everybody loves to criticize, everybody loves to, to do things, but what, let's be a part of the solution and uh, join what, what God is doing. And there's so many things, great opportunity. And so many of you, last week, you, you came and you started to, you're like, I want to be a part of what God is doing. And you had been, uh, you texted the word join to 623-263-1334. Maybe you're at home. You can do that right now online. Maybe you're, you've got your phone. You can do that as well. Text the word join, 623-263-1334. Uh, and uh, you want to be a part of what God's doing here. You want to just join and, and, and take a huge uh, opportunity for, for new things. There's so many places for you to serve in and to be a part of. We're just about to, we're really doing something neat. For those of you that are new, have no idea. Uh, God brought two churches together. Um, Calvary Chapel Surprise, the Refuge Church brought them together as one. And we've been just rebuilding and re restoring uh, two Calvary chapels coming together and doing something great for God's kingdom. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. And so we're in Nehemiah chapter four today. My name is Joshua, one of the lead pastors, and I'd love to pray with you right now as we begin. Father, we just wanna say, hey, thank you. Thank you so much for who you are, what you're doing, 
in and through our lives. It is a blessing. Um, it is an absolute blessing to see what you are doing, Lord, in this um, here at this place, in this church, the people that uh, are part of this church and uh, throughout this community. And Lord, as schools begin to open up this week, all online, <laughs> uh, Lord, I pray for the first time as like a whole nation starts to go online uh, uh, at home as like uh, they're all, everybody's homeschooled. Lord, we give grace and strength to every mom, every dad, every student, uh, every teacher abroad as they prepare to do something new. And Lord, we ask, as even today, as your word is proclaimed here at this place, may it go forth and encourage us and touch our hearts, but not just here. Lord, what you're doing at every church throughout this valley, what you're doing here uh, at, at Calvary Chapel Refuge Surprise to, um, to the Cross Church right next door, to Radiant next door, to, to CCV, to uh, churches throughout this valley that are doing something, preaching your gospel. May your gospel be proclaimed and people receive it with great joy and gladness today. We ask that you would do great and mighty things, Lord, in and through it, in Jesus' name. Everybody said a great big A. Amen. Amen. Hey, and one of those things you're like, hey, how come the lights are not as bright? Because we don't have a light, real, a real light tech today. So if you're like, hey, I want to help and serve, you can be a part of that team. And because uh, sometimes you open up your eyes after prayer, the lights all come on. You're like, hey, where's the lights? Hey, that's where you guys can be a part of the solution. See the sign right there? Join. You want to join? Join. It's awesome. We want to, it's, this is, now's the time to be a part of something really special. All right, hey, we're in Nehemiah chapter four, and I want to dive right into this because uh, I don't know about you, I've titled today's message, How, um, how to Overcome or, uh, or How to Handle uh, Discouragement. How to Overcome and how to, how, to, how to Handle Discouragement. Many times you get discouraged over many things. Uh, I know me personally, uh, you, there, there's highs, there's these peaks. You're doing, you're working so hard, and uh, maybe, for example, maybe you tried to lose weight, and uh, you were like eating healthy, doing your best, and uh, you gained five pounds, and you get so discouraged. And someone says to you, uh, "Boy, you look a little heavier than normal." You're like, "Man, you just want to, you just want to curdle up in a ball." right? And, and, and you want to stop and you want to go grab that soda and you want to go sit on your couch and, and sulk and, and cry. It is hard. It is hard at times. Discouragement happens. And what you're going to see here in just a moment, I think why it happens and uh, what we need to do, how to get out of discouragement and uh, the solution to it all. It's, it's really fascinating. And it happens to be something I think actually we're actually going through even as a church right now. This is very applicable to everything that's happening uh, right here in Nehemiah chapter four. So let's pick it up the story. They just kind of rebuilt this, the walls. They've been, well, they've been starting the, the building process. Nehemiah has galvanized the whole team. He's, he's encouraged them and they're, they, they're like, yes, let's do it. Then verse one says, now came about when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became furious, very angry, and mocked the Jews. See, Sambalat was not one of the guys who wanted to rebuild. In fact, he was kind of upset, furious, and mad that some guy who wasn't a part of this city to begin with comes from the outside and comes in and starts telling his people, his friends, his family what to do. And he's, he's upset. And they're listening to him. And here's a guy who's lived in the city. It's one of the big, big leaders of this town. And he, he was comfortable in ruins. 
He was comfortable where the, the thing was to begin with. And now everything's starting to change. And he's upset. His pride has taken a hit. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers. And he gathered the wealthy guys, the people with the change, that really get the things done. And the men of Samaria and said, hey, what are these feeble Jews doing? Man, he even makes fun of the Jews. Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? And can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? He's gathered a whole bunch of his buds, a whole bunch of his guys. And you've met one of them before. His name is Tobiah, verse 3. Tobiah, the Ammonite, was near him. And he said, hey, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. I don't know if you've ever seen a fox, this little tiny creature, really gentle, really soft. And Tobiah is like, oh, let's make a joke. Look, look, a fox could jump on this, this rubble, this rock, their, their fake little wall. And you know what the fox says? Nee, 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 nee. Yeah, you know, that's what the fox does. And they're like all laughing and joking about this little fox jumping on top of the wall. They'll probably crumble over. Man, not cool. Not cool. What does it do to Nehemiah? What does it do to the people working the wall? What does it do to those of you that, that are like, you're trying to do your best? And there's always somebody out in the crowd. There's always somebody judging. There's always somebody mocking. There's always somebody that wants to see you fail in everything that you're trying to do. At least that's what you think and you feel. So Nehemiah says, I think what every righteous and honest person in the flesh would say, hear, O God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their heads. Give them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Do not Forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized the builders. <laughs> he does what every single person would do in the flesh. How dare you say such a thing? You know, God smite them, destroy them. Uh, do not let them go into heaven at all. I don't want them to be there because of, of what they've done. And you notice know you know what, what Nehemiah is, is, is really passionate about? I think you see that right there in that context. He cares for the people in the city. And, and, and here's the reality. I want to just do it, take a step back for just a second. Because in, in, the, in the story, always, how I've always read this over the years is that Sambala, Tobiah, and these other guys, they're always like the bad guys. If you were on like a TV show, you would get the, your, your boo bar cards out and you, you tell the whole audience and go, boo, hiss. Every time you see these names, Sambala and Tobiah. But Sambala and Tobiah, Honestly, these were, these were good guys. These were guys with the same heart, same flesh, lived in the town, loved their people. They just got so caught up in, in their own pain. I actually think they got so discouraged themselves over the years that they got caught up in the weeds and they just forgot how to, how to love I think they forgot how to pray. I think they forgot how to cheer on and encourage those around them. And they just got so caught up in their own ways. Somebody else comes in and says, here's a new idea. Here's a fresh take. Here's something new that we can do in rebuilding this place. And, and all of a sudden, they just start to lash out. And in our own flesh, sometimes we go and we reject them. And sometimes we want God to smite them. And sometimes we, we want God, God, you fight our battles. 
And you're going to see something that Nehemiah does. He kind of actually asks forgiveness, and he actually kind of moves forward, and he does what we should be doing when the enemy comes and attacks you. Because here's the real point of the story. Our battle is never against flesh and blood. Our brothers, our sisters, our, our, our countrymen, our, our relatives, the people across the street, our neighbors, our, our, uh, our teachers, our principals, our bosses, they're not the enemy. The real enemy is the devil. The real enemy is in the spiritual forces of wickedness, of darkness that you and I can't even see. And sometimes we like to think it's our government. It's, it's, a, it's a political party that we're not, we don't like. It's, it's an agenda. The enemy is not those things. The enemy, the real enemy is the devil. And he wants to do the very same thing that's right here. What I like to say, the devil or, and the demons, you notice that, that letter it starts with? It starts with the, the letter D. And the very thing that Nehemiah noticed here is, is they are demoralizing, D, demoralizing the builders. See, the, the devil loves to do these Ds, what I like to say. He likes to steal, kill, and what? De- destroy. This is the nature. This is what Jesus would say. He loves to derail your spirit. He likes to discourage your will. He wants to disqualify your life. And if he can delay, if he can delay your ambition and diffuse anything uh, before others and, and cause and defame you, the devil has done his job. The devil wants to put you down and out. He desires to put you in a world of depression. And I would even go further and say he will demoralize you in such a way because he is the master of disaster. The devil loves to do these classical D things. As 1 Peter 5, verse 8 would say, we'll put up on the screen, be sober of spirit, men and women. Be on the alert. Your adversary... That's a prosecuting uh, term in, in the Greek. In, in the Greek there, uh, it means like if you're before court, you're standing at, in, in a place and someone's accusing you. Your adversary, your prosecuting attorney, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to, a, knee word, a D word, right? Devour. He wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. It's his goal. It's his job. He desires to deject, put you in despair, put you downhearted to make you feel defeated. He will make you so delusional that you feel so fatigued that you can't do anything. This is the devil's plan, his objective. I'll never forget in 1999 as I sat at home with 83.7 million other people watching the Denver Broncos, John Elway and company, try to go for the second time to win a Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons were the number two defensive team that year. And if you all love sports, you like football, you know where I'm going with this. Because there was this man named Eugene Robinson. He, got, he had just got the award. I want to make sure I got the correct award. Oh, yes, the Bart Starr Award. <laughs> the Bart Starr Award is famous for those in the NFL because this is all the players vote for the most guy who has the best morals, the best standard. Eugene Robinson was, was quite above and uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. And he was the, one of the top defensive cornerbacks in the league. He was on the, the Pro Bowl team that year. And as he was preparing the night before to get ready for the big game, Eugene Robinson was arrested for prostitution. 
the high moral character guy got his eyes off the prize. And as he's getting released that morning, the coach said, we need you. It's the Super Bowl. Get your head in the game. But for some reason, he got delusional. He got uh, confused. He, he got literally destroyed physically and spiritually. And so there in the second quarter during, actually it was at a moment when they were showing a commercial for the matrix of all things. During this little break, John Elway said, hut, hut, hike. And he threw an 80-yard touchdown pass to a wide-open receiver because Eugene Robinson's head was not in the game. And from that moment on, the score was 17-3, to and the game was over. It's destroyed. And it just takes one guy in a team to lose it, to lose it for everybody else. And the devil wants to get every single one of us, just like a Eugene Robinson, off, off the game. Be sober of spirit. Be ready. Can you put up that screen one more time, uh, on the verse one more, that one more time? I want you to see something. This is really important. The Lord just, just shared this with me. Be sober of spirit. Be on the alert. Okay. I, I was a baseball player. I love, I love sports. I love baseball. When they, a ball's coming to you, they tell you to be on the alert, to be on, on, on your toes, to get ready for the ball to come to you. You and I have got to be ready, be on the alert, have a clear mind, a heart focused on what God is doing. Because when you're on the alert, you not got to know your adversary, the devil, he wants to just prowl around. Jesus says he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of all lies. He just wants to point his finger at you, tell you. You've heard the story before. You've probably seen that cool National Geographic on Disney Plus with the cool gazelle galloping, galloping in Africa. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, hidden in the, in, the, in the grass is this lion and he roars. And what does the gazelle do? Flees from the roar. And then what lies in the distance is the pride. And it comes and grabs you and takes you. The other lions, and they come and eat you. The devil just wants to get you running away, to not fix your eyes on Jesus. It's his whole game. He knows he can't, he can't take away your salvation, but he knows he can get you off your game. And he can cause great havoc within his own place. The place that people gather together and worship. For this place, it was the city of Jerusalem. It's God's chosen people. For us, it's his church. As we gather together, and we've had so many things to distract us from one another. So many things in this world has gotten us going crazy, whether it's COVID, mask or no mask, whether it's a, a school should be open or not open. Should I go to Home Depot or not? What should I do? Should a church come together and two become one? No, yes, I don't know. And we start not focusing on Jesus. We've got to focus on Jesus. Because the devil wants to discourage you. He wants to, you to look at your failures instead of your future. He wants you to focus on your fears instead of focusing on your faith in Christ. Because if he doesn't get you with the first wave, look out. Wave number two is on its way. Look what it says there in verse seven. Now when Sambalat, Tobiah, the, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashidites Heard about the repair? Did you just, hey, what happened to just Sam Bollett and Tobiah? Now, we're, now it's like the second wave? Oh, they're coming with fury. 
Why? Because look at verse six, right before it. He says, we were building the wall and the whole wall was joined together half its height for the people had a mind to work. Oh, they were starting to do something good. They were building the wall. And then all of a sudden, the devil didn't like that. And so he's like whispering in the sand ball. Come on, dude, you got to get better. Go get Tobiah. Go get Geshem. Go get the Arabs. Go get the Ashidites. Go get the Ammonites. Go bring them all. Look, look for just a minute. Turn your Bibles to Nehemiah 2, verse 10. This is the first time we ever encountered these guys. Nehemiah 2, verse 10 says, When Sambalat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about it, they were very displeasing. Then you go to second, uh, chapter 2, verse 19. It says, But when Sambalat the Hornite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard it, they mocked and despised us. And now all of a sudden, in chapter 4, verse 7, now when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashidites, the, oh, I don't know, think of the termites. They all come and attack every single one of them and like, let's go get them. Let's go destroy. Us. If the first wave don't get you, here comes wave number two. And look at what happens to these guys. All of them, all of these guys, verse eight, conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause, another D word, disturbance in it. And then it says in verse 10, this is what they were known for in those days. Thus in Judah, it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing. Yet there is much rubbish and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Even our enemies said they will not know or see until we come among them kill them and, and put a stop to the work. So the Jews who lived near, near them came and told us 10 times they would come up against us from every place where you may turn. I don't know if you caught it, but they lost four things there. They lost their strength. It says there in 10, it says the strength of the burden bearers is failing. They lost their strength. Then they lost their vision. It says, yes, there was much rubbish. All they could see was the rubbish. They couldn't see the potential, what things could be. Then, they, then they, lost, they lost their confidence. It says, we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. We can't do this. We can't do this. We don't have enough confidence in ourselves. And even their sense of security was gone in verse 11. They will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to their work. They lost their sense of security. The enemy's just going to come and, and, and run us over. And I don't know about you, you might even feel this way at times. You've lost your vision, you lost your sense of security, you lost your confidence. You feel like you've lost your strength. Like, how, how can I do, how can I be the best mom? In fact, they came up to him 10 times. It's like, man, yesterday, my, my kids, we just fed them. We just sat down after dinner, and then what does my son have to say? Hey, I'm hungry. Dude, you just ate, bro. Hey, I'm hungry. Well, how old are you? Go get it yourself. No, I want you to get it. Please, come on. Please, come on. Dad, come on. Can you get me it? Can you get me it? Ten times, it feels like. You keep going, and I get so frustrated. I just want to just put them in the fridge and let them eat it all with the door open. With the door open. Okay, okay. Okay, don't think of it that way. Man, that, bad idea. Won't use that second service. Okay, so <laughs> reality is, it's like your mindset is like, I... I just, just stop it. Just stop your whining and complaining. I just want to just, and you get so defeated. You can get so lost up and caught up into it. So what do you do? 
How do you overcome your place of discouragement? Okay, you ready? You know, it's so simple, and yet sometimes we don't even do it. How do you overcome discouragement? Let's put it on the word for you. One word, pray. Come on, church, what is it? Pray. pray. Come on, everybody at home, three, two, one. Pray. pray. We want to pray. We've got to pray. Pray. We got, I feel like MC Hammer is coming in. All right. We got to pray. Prayer. Prayer is, okay, the devil's got his D's, his killer D's. Okay, we got our winning D's because D's get degrees. All right, here we go. And, and this is how we are going to destroy the devil and his forces and his, 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 his game plan. It starts with prayer. And prayer is our line of, ready? I want to start over here. You say it with me. D, say it. D, and you say fence. Come on. D, fence. Come on. D, fence. Come on. D, fence. You at home. We think we heard you. All right. Defense. It starts at defense. The best offense is a great defense. Listen to what this happens, what Nehemiah discovered and needed to do. Verse 9. I skipped it for a reason. It says, but we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. Ooh, what did he do? He set up a guard. He set up a what? Now you were supposed to go defense. Come on. Come on. You were supposed to try it again. I, and that was in, it was in prayer. It was in prayer. We've got to pray. Prayer is our guard for defense. And he did it day and night. You know, since we first gathered together as a church, we've asked you guys to pray at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. in the morning and in the evening. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Eight is this thing to pray. And we always gather in this room outside and we're praying, praying at 8 a.m., 8 p.m. wants you to pray. Why? Because it creates a great defense. Sets up a guard against your heart. Sets up a guard against your mind. Sets up a guard against your eyes. Remember, they're building the gates. They're building the wall. They don't want the enemy to come in. And then we're talking about a spiritual enemy. It's not against flesh and blood. Tobias, Sambalat, Geshem, they're really good guys. They just got their hearts realigned in a different way. And Nehemiah, he actually invited everybody to come. He invited everybody to come and be a part of this thing. He invited everybody to rebuild, but not everybody wanted to. And so he said, listen, we've got to get focused. Our focus is on praying. And we've got to go to the one who brings us hope. We've got a one who gives us vision, who gives us great assurance to overcome these things. So who is the overcomer? Oh, I know someone's been at church before. Jesus. Jesus is the overcomer. Listen to what John records Jesus saying. He says this, these things I have spoken to you so that in me, Jesus is saying, you may have peace. And in this world, you have tribulation, but take courage. He says, I have overcome this world. John 16, 33. John would later record after Jesus went to heaven. He said this, he says, listen, you who are followers of God, little children, you have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than who was in this world. And he's not talking about Joe across the street. He's talking about the devil. Greater is he who is in you than the one who's in this world. Because who is the one who overcomes this world, John says? In 1 John 5, 5, he says, but he who believes Jesus Christ is the son of God. Who is the over overcomer? Jesus is. And who lives in you, follower of Jesus? Jesus 
So who overcomes? You do. <laughs> yes, Jesus overcomes, but he lives in you. But thus, you don't fight from a battle of defeat, a D word. You fight from a battle of victory. And Jesus lives inside of you. And he can, you can do all things for him who strengthens you. So do me a favor. Look at the person next to you. Or if you're at home, look to the person beside you at the kitchen table and say, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You just need to ask God for vision in prayer. You need to ask God for strength in prayer. You need to ask God for confidence in prayer. You need to ask God to re renew that sense of security that you have in Jesus Christ in prayer. I'll never forget that great, um, that great counselor and encourager, Mr. Miyagi, as he looked at Daniel LaRusso. Daniel LaRusso just lost his, his girlfriend. He just lost his, his car got destroyed. He lost all of these things in his life. And you know what happened? As he comes up to Mr. Miyagi, he's still frustrated. Mr. Miyagi says, Danielson, Danielson, focus. He said, focus. And he says, I don't want to focus. So he hands him this hammer. And he says, put the nail in this thing. And he, and he tried to do this. And he said, no, 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 no. He says, what am I supposed to pray? And he's like, <laughs> and he focused. He says, now, now hit that hammer with that nail. And he's, he's like, oh, that's awesome. What else? What do I do now? And he says, the rest of the backyard. <laughs> the idea is, what it was so good about Mr. Miyagi, he's like, can you just focus to pray? He really had it right. Just calm and breathe and focus and get, just get your heart right. Get realigned because that starts our defense to set up a guard day and night, our mind, heart, and soul so that you can just breathe and get through the process. So many times we listen to the wrong people. Join yourself with the right group of people. Stop listening to the Sambalas and Tobias and join the forces of the, all these other people that are rebuilding along with you. Make some new friends. There's a purpose that you gotta just rediscover. You gotta stop listening to that inner chatter that says, you're a pessimist and I just can't do it. Stop, start listening to the one that lives within you, who's conquered the grave, who provides the hope day and night. Because when you do, you start your defense, then you need to do this, number two and three. You need to decide and determine how you're gonna do this. Say that with me. I need to decide and determine what needs to happen. Look at look what he says there in, in um, let's pick up the story in verse 13. So when all this happened, then I stationed men in the lower parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people and the families with their swords, spears, and bows. See, he decided to, to get everybody together. He decided to start putting them in place, and then he was determined. Look at verse 14. When I saw their fear, I was determined. He says, I rose and spoke to the nobles. Remember, the nobles were the ones that didn't do anything. They just sat there. And I spoke to them. I spoke to the ones with fear and the officials and the rest of the people. I says, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. So good. 
That's a sermon right there in itself. He determined and he decided right there, I, who I'm, guys, who are we fighting for? You're fighting for your brothers, your sisters, your own houses. Don't, don't, don't get down on yourself. Look around you. Do me a favor. Look around for a minute. Look around. This church exists for one another right here in this room. If you're at home right now, just look in a mirror right there. Look at me. You're fighting for all of this. We're praying for all of this. But I love it what he says right before that in verse, four, in, in verse uh, 14. He says, remember, do not be afraid of them, but remember the Lord, the great and awesome and mighty God. I, I get a picture of like King David. when he, Before he was king, he was just a shepherd boy, and he's bringing food to his brothers, and his brothers are about to fight Goliath, the whole Israel army, and the Philistines. And what is, what is <laughs> oh, good old uh, David say to his brothers, why don't you go fight this guy? And they're like, look at him. He's huge. And David's like, yeah, no kidding. God gave you a great big target to hit. How can you not miss that? Go. And he says, fight for God is with you. How dare he mock our God? And Nehemiah just does the same thing. Come on. Stop listening to Sambalat. Stop listening to Tobiah, Geshem, the Ammonites, the Ashidites. Stop listening to the accusations, to the liars. But start holding on to the truth because we are here for a great and awesome God. Let's rally around that. And once they did, decided and determined, wow. Then things start to move in motion. And he begins to, fourthly, demonstrate. Look at there in verse 15. So when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, <laughs> Then all of us returned to the wall, each one of us to his work. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held spears. The shields, the bows, the breastplates, the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. They began to demonstrate actively. They lived out what God called them to do. That's right. We don't have to listen to that. Let's get up and let's go do the work. Let's go build a wall. Let's go paint a fence. Let's go hammer a nail Right in, because we are going to be on defense. Our best defense is our offense, and our defense is God's going to supply. And we're just going to do what he's called us to do. And then they determined it, and then they discovered, check this out, they discovered the power of God's word. Look at there, verse 17. Those who were rebuilding the wall, those who carried out the burdens, took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. And as for the builders, each wore his sword, girded at his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near me. Do you see what's in one hand? One hand, they're building. Imagine that. It's like, hey, slap some concrete. I'll slap a brick and let's smooth it out. While the other hand, they got a sword in their hand. It's so spiritually. If you, if you don't see that spiritually, this is so good. The sword is always in the Bible mentioned as our word of God. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, in fact. It is able to pierce between bone and marrow. It, it can go cut right to the very heart of who you are. So you've got to have it in your hand. This word's got to just, you've got to know it. You've got to know how to use it. And it, this sword is, is the, the power that allows us to be realigned. And as they were using it, they discovered the power of God's word, then they daily practiced it. Look what it says in verse 19. I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great, and it's extensive. Let's not, let's not forget. This is going to take some time. 
and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. And so whatever place you hear is the sound of the trumpet rallied at us there, and our God will fight for us. So, so we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. At the time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servants spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may build, may be, be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon even to the water. I, I, I love it. They, they were in it to win it. They always carried their sword everywhere they went. They were doing like sword drills. Nehemiah 4, 19. It's like, find, find that out real quick. They, they were doing it daily, every morning, all the way to the evening. They saw the rising of the cool red dot sun through the wicked clouds this morning, all the way through the moon. And they kept fighting with it, walking wherever they were go with their sword. And you and I, as Jesus followers, if you want to have your mind focused and right, we have got to be here, right here in this word. And hey, maybe, maybe you're discouraged. You know, some of you in this room might have just lost a loved one and your, your game's off. You feel like your life's off. Some of you might have just been fighting just to salvage your own marriage. You might feel defeated as a parent and you're super discouraged every single day. You don't even have enough time to brush your own teeth because you're brushing all your kids' teeth. There might be so much going on in your world, you, you don't even know how to just get, gather strength. You might even feel defeated because of what somebody else has said to you, what they posted about you on Facebook or Instagram. It's a hard place to be. But if there's one simple place to go, I think is the most important thing that I discovered through this whole thing is, is the seventh and final, final one in here. It's not even really a D, it's just kind of a hopeful D, but it's a rediscover. Would you say it with me? Rediscover. I think we need to rediscover who we are in Jesus. Because if you feel like you can't get there, you can't get there, you need help. I think of Peter when he walked on water. Jesus invited him out to walk in the Sea of Galilee, and he was doing so well. Then he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he started to fall. And I think he remembered who, he could, help, who could help him. He couldn't even turn. You can't turn. I don't know if you ever tried to walk on water, how successful that is. But he couldn't even get there. And in, and in a storm, in a, in a crazy time in his life, all he could do is just reach up and say, Lord, save me. And if you look there at Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 20, it says that whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet. Hey, whatever place you're at, wherever you are at in life right now, and you hear the trumpet cry, he says, rally to us there. Because it's there, God will fight for us. We need a rally point for us as Jesus followers. And here it is where we need to go. This is our rally cry, our rally point. It has to simply be Jesus. It has to be the cross. It has to be simply, the rally point is simply the cross. You want to find focus? You need help? Lord, save me? Just come to the cross. Your God will fight for you. Your God will help you. 
I like how Paul said it in Romans 8. I gotta go there real fast. Romans 8, verse 26 and on, he says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray at times as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit becomes, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God, we, know, we should know this truth, he says, that God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. He just simply says, f- flat out, if you need help, God's going to work these things out. You just got to know your rally point. That's Jesus. And so he says, what shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? You've heard that phrase? I wonder if that was Nehemiah's cry. He's like, I don't even know how to pray, but God, you do. We're going to focus in on praying. That's going to be our defense. And he's remembering, you know, if, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, if, if God is for us, if God brought this all thing together, who can be against us? Who? See that silence right now, the silence at home? No one. If God is for you, who can be against you? No one. He says in verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also freely give us all things? So who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who? No one. No no one. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? No, No one. But Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who was interceding for us. And he finally says one more time, hey, who will separate us from the love of God? No one. Will tribulation, will distress, will persecution, will famine, will nakedness or peril or sword? For just as written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep being led to the slaughter. But in all things, Paul writes, but in all things, I bet you Nehemiah said, but in every single time, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. For I am convinced that not even death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, not even no height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the power of God's love. Nothing. Not one thing. Not one accusation. Not one complainer. You feel discouraged. Your rally point, come to Jesus. Let him be your source of strength. Let him be your help. Let him get your mind right. Let him encourage you. Let him empower you. Hold that word in your palm of your hand and go to him in prayer and focus him in strength because he is the one who makes all things possible. And what God has brought together, he is going to do something great. What he wants to do in your life is dynamic because our God, as, he, as Paul wrote in here, is not dead, but he is alive. And because he lives, he can, he can show off his glory, his wonder, his love to you right where you're at. So if you feel discouraged, I wanted to ask you this morning, I truly want to ask you this morning, wherever you're at, whether you're at home or right here, 
come to Jesus. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He will empower you because he loves you right where you're at. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you this very moment and this time and this place and we just want to say thank you. First and foremost for who you are because you are a God who makes a way. It is because of you that the people of Israel, the Jews who were called feeble, they were in no such way ever seen that way by you. Lord, you were right there by their side. You were right there to strengthen them and empower them and encourage them to, to embolden them, to keep pressing on, to keep moving forward, to keep building up, Lord, what you had called them to. Lord, may we do the same thing here at Calvary Chapel Refuge Surprise. May we be doing the, your work. May we not stop when others just want us to just slow down or... or, or or stumble. Father, may we always fix our eyes on you. May we be aligned in prayer. May you give us that encouragement and strength. May you, when, when the enemy says lies and discouragement to, to, to put us in a place of despair, Lord, would you mind us of our greatest D, our defense to pray and to call on your name. Help us to become the church, Lord, you called us to be, to make an impact for your city, for your community, for the, every single person in here. Every one person matters. Every person matters. And Father, I ask right now, even maybe there's some in this room that just need that hope, need that encouragement, because God, we are coming to you because you are alive. You have conquered the grave, and Lord, you desire to, to lift up lives, to strengthen lives, to encourage people. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you never believed on Jesus to be your savior, maybe you feel so discouraged, you've been so at loss, so at a place of despair, God wants to help you out right now where you're at. And I'd love to just invite you to receive the gift of God's grace. Would you just say this prayer with me and just say, dear God, I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave. And because you live, Lord Jesus, I want to live for you. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at. I realize I'm a, a sinner just in need of a great Savior. And today you're my Savior, now and forever. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me right where I'm at. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you thank the Lord right now? If you made that decision right at home, you made a decision to ask Christ in your life, I'd love for you to just tell somebody right now online, hey, I made a decision right now. I, I, wanted, I, I, I prayed that prayer with Pastor Joshua today, and I just, I want to know how to make that next step. What am I going to do now as a Jesus follower? We'd love to talk with you and pray with you and encourage you right there. There's some prayer counselors right online right now. We'd love to talk with you. And maybe you made that decision right here in this place. You know, we're, we're, we're available. We're available right uh, even during song as we're going to sing in just a moment. We're going we're gonna to 
there's a, even a, a section right there in the back as we stand up in just a moment. We'd love to just pray with you, talk with you, to help you walk and make that next decision. You know, in fact, right after this, we got three young gals that are going to get be baptized right outside out here. They've made that decision to follow Jesus. And we're as a church, we're going to stand out there and support them and excited to, to see them get baptized. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe you made that decision. We, the, the pool is, is ready. It's a perfect day. But we'd love to take that next step of following Jesus right where you're at. So why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand together right where every single one of us are at? And, and, and may we continue to celebrate him. I want to invite you to just pray. If you ever feel disillusioned, you ever feel discouraged, you ever feel defeated, it starts with praying. Go to the Lord. God is your strength. So that you could be strong and courageous to walk in the strength of his might. There's no need to be discouraged at all or feel a full of a fear and dismay. Your God is with you. And he will strengthen you. He will always be that refuge and strength and every present help in time of need. Amen? Amen.